0: Hello, Stargazers. Welcome to 7th House Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misak. For those of you who are just joining me, well, welcome. What I do with 7th House Astrology is I take either an aspect or a topic that's usually romantically related or a planet. I basically look at it under the lens of sinistry astrology and what it means And then I endeavor to answer what makes relationships tick at the end of each episode every week. For those of you who are still joining me, well, welcome still. I'm glad that you are joining me on my 21st episode. You guys would kind of notice that I did not have intro music this week. The reason being that next week when I record, I will be recovering from surgery, unfortunately. And the unfortunate part of that is I will not be able to lift anything whatsoever um, that would include my keyboard. So for that, I'm just trying a new format. Definitely let me know, reach out and let me know, see how this feels for you. I'll definitely um, take a look and see how this feels also for me as well. And uh We'll have to take it as we as we can uh, throughout the next couple of weeks. So unlike last week and unlike the last couple of weeks, there are no planets that are either in retrograde or are of concern at this particular time. So without further ado... I can actually get into my subject this week without having to give updates, which is actually quite nice, um, knowing that the retrograde planets really brought a lot to the fore. Overall, there's just a lot going on up in the heavens up there. For those of you who don't know, Valentine's Day is rounding the corner. It's actually rounding the corner by being tomorrow. So I thought, you know, in regards to Valentine's Day, that we would cover the planet Venus. I thought it'd be very apropos, knowing that Venus actually represents not only love and relationships within a general chart, but also is the main, one of the main focal points and one of the main focal planets in a synastry chart due to the fact that she represents love, relationships, beauty... Money, all those wonderful, nice, wonderful things. And since I had mentioned some of the buzzwords in relation to Venus, why don't we go ahead and get right into some of my personal associations with the wonderful beautific planet, as well as some of the general associations that are associated with Venus as well. So, as was noted with the Mars episode, For those of you who have not checked out the Mars episode, feel free to do so and uh, just check it out all the way around. It was covered around like two weeks ago, I'd like to say, and it was a very interesting episode to record and to plan out. But whereas in the Mars episode, I'd mentioned that when Mars hits a particular chart, specifically the Sinistry chart, it usually represents, when it comes to co-ed relationships, how men express their masculinity. With Venus, just the opposite. Um, it actually is the feminine planet. So in a synastry chart or a composite chart, it would represent how a woman expresses her femininity. Now, as I mentioned with the masculinity aspect of Mars in two weeks ago's episode, I had mentioned that there are at least 12 ways to embody masculinity, and um, I still adhere to this with Venus. Unfortunately, if society were to overrule astrology, and there are astrologers that tend to kind of go off of what are the ideal placements for planets due to society's expectations— With Mars for the masculine side, they would want to expect like either Mars and Aries to give like kind of a macho vibe to guys or Mars and Scorpio to give that intense and uh, the intensity, the focus. That is really represented for a guy who's very successful, possibly even Mars in the tenth house or within Capricorn, um, as well too, at, in order to embody the success stereotype or the success, mon- you know, the success um, sort of oh, what is it? The archetype uh, that would embody men um, or the ideals of men in society. For Venus, the unfortunate situation is that, you know, the ideals would be that a woman's Venus placement should be in either Libra, in Taurus, in Pisces, or in Scorpia. The reasons for this would be that society paints femininity as either you're the girl next door, which is one of the high standards, one of the high ideal high ideals you're either the sophisticate who is kind of like the girl next door, very clean, very mature, but has a little more a sensual bent to it uh either the ethereal girl next door, which is usually I think is what re- is represented by Pisces or The sex mistress, as you see with Scorpio, and uh, again, not trying to paint Scorpios into the corner, that's usually one archetype that is represented, especially with um, any sort of planet going into that sign. But within society, I mean, we're usually painted as either really clean, very wonderful, or very sexy and very, you know, experienced and there's really no in betweens. And my only point to this, um, when I make this point with, uh, Venus expressing your femininity is, Don't get caught within a lot of what astrologers try to replicate, which is again, society standards. There are 12 different signs in the Zodiac. And when we think of, Oh dear, you know, my Venus is not really in Scorpio. So therefore I'm not really that feminine. You, you kind of miss out on your Venus placement and you really miss out on the sign of your Venus placement. And I mean, here's a great example with uh, somebody who, say, has Venus in Aries, for instance. What we tend to miss when we uh, go for the girl next door or the sexy woman next door. Well, what about the emergence of a woman being her own boss and being strong and holding her own? I remember that was very popular like in 2017 to 2018, and that's that popularity hasn't waned at all. In fact, I think being the boss woman is another step up towards femininity. And you know, you would definitely have that for somebody who has Venus in Aries, you know, somebody who she has an idea in her head, she's ready to go forward with it. Or she has an idea about how to socialize. She goes forward with that as well. Or ideas about love and goes forward with it as well, too. I think that that's equally feminine as the girl next door. Or if somebody has Venus in Aquarius, for instance. Well, I've heard a lot of guys say that it's really super feminine and really super attractive when a woman is actually very independent, and, you know, with Aquarius, you get the epitome of independence, as well as thinking outside the box. So this would be somebody who would socialize with like-minded people, um, who would be a little bit reserved, which could add, lend an air of mystery. Um, although with Aquarius, they're also very frank, too. So it's not too much mystery, just a little bit of mystery. In there, but also you get a sense of that they make up their own minds, they make up their own judgments, they have their own values. And I would say that's also equally feminine as having Venus in Libra, or like I said, Taurus, Scorpio, or even. Pisces for that matter. So again, don't dwindle and, you know, ignore all the 12 signs in the Zodiac. And definitely um, take a look at Venus. When you take a look at your Venus placement in your own chart, take a look at the sign that it rules and the archetypes and see if there is um, a form of femininity that reverberates with you and that you can Kind of take with you and carry it forward as well, too, because I think when you find your own femininity, I think that's the most attractive and the most sexiest aspect of all. And that would be the point of Venus as well, too, is to find your your feminine or your femininity as well as your own sense of beauty as well as your own sense of uh, soft sexuality is what I would say as well, too, when it comes to this, when it comes to the planet. Another association with Venus is perceived beauty or personal attractiveness. Now, again, I do have to kind of lend this don't ignore all 12 signs because I know there are lots and lots and lots of astrologers that say, Oh, yeah, Venus in the first house or Venus right on the ascendant is really the most idyllic placement for Venus. You know, that means um, that that's where you're like at your most beautiful or that's um, the most beautiful person in the world. And they usually cite, you know, like Charlize Theron, which I can attest to. She does have Venus on her ascendant, but they also attest that to Beyonce to Angelina Jolie, even Rihanna, they're just like so magnetically beautiful because of that, the aspect of Venus being on the Ascendant or in the first house. Again, that makes me, that kind of irks me a little bit because we're looking at beauty at face value. And while I see where the the astrologers are coming from, you know, having Venus on your Ascendant means all the qualities are drawn outward, you know, the, the ascendant being the outward part of your personality, the same with your first house. It makes sense that it would indicate a very attractive person, but that's only assuming that beauty is skin deep. I mean, what about somebody who has Venus in the fifth house? I mean, somebody who has Venus in the fifth house would, you know, in the regard that they're, they like to hook up, they like to, you know, go on dates, they like to rekindle a romance or start a romance, really, they would probably have a lot of charm in their personality. And they would make sure to include their partner in everything that they do. I'm sorry to feel inclusive, and to actually feel like I'm worth something. That to me, transcends just physical beauty alone, or that to me kind of adds to someone's appeal to their grace and their charm as well, too. The same thing if somebody has Venus in their seventh house, you know, somebody who has Venus in their seventh house, they value close relationships, they value marriages, they value um, being committed. And again, that person would make sure that you feel included And again, that's also a extremely, that's a wonderful trait to have. And that, to me, would outshine physical beauty any day of the week. Because, you know, let's just face it, those who are physically beautiful don't always really go for the normal people in the crowd, and um, I, I just also just have to say again, um, for just looking at skin deep, we kind of, you know, beauty as being skin deep, we miss out on a lot of different ways to be beautiful. And, and again, I'm, I'm mentioning inner qualities and inner beauty, but sometimes inner beauty is what makes us beautiful at the end of the day. And um, I can attest to that right now um, in the regard of not only growing old, but also in the regard that I've been kind of ill lately. You know, when you grow old or you grow ill, you don't look so great. And I mean, it's outer beauty is really starting to fade. So sometimes you do need to rely on inner beauty to kind of shine through, really. And um, I think that depending on different Venus placements throughout the chart, that sense of inner beauty can really lend a lot of allure and attraction and appeal. So again, I just say, don't, don't um, underestimate your Venus position as well too. And I mean, for those astrologers who say, yeah, you know, Venus is great when it's on the ascendant or in the first house, that's where I say for the rest of us who might not have that, what does that make us? and again that's where i say you know beauty's more than skin deep and a, an ideal venus placement i think any placement in a chart is very ideal when it comes to venus venus shines a lot of great light in an individual's natal chart as well as one's synastry chart as well too wherever it's placed it's like a lot of good things happen with it so again don't don't negate that when it comes to personal beauty Other associations are how well you do socially or how your social relationships thrive. Are you really, are you someone who's reserved? Are you someone who's a go getter? Are you someone who makes connections? Are you someone who likes to genuinely relate with people? And again, that's that those four characteristics are not the only types, but again, there's 12 ways in which that can be associated. Another example is also how well you are off or how uh, much money you have. And I've seen this as well, too. Somebody has a very well uh, placed Venus, particularly within their 10th house. That person has a lot of abundance or that person can have a lot of abundance or if there's a lot of great aspects to Venus that person can have a lot of abundance as well, too. Now, again, as I've said, there are 12 ways to garner abundance as well, too. So always take a look at your sign in which your Venus falls and its archetypes, as well as the house and its archetypes and where it falls, as to you know how you can become more prosperous if that is something that is in your sights as well. With um, Joanna Martine Woolfolk, the author of The Only Astrology Book You'll Ever Need. And while her book is a little bit on the deceiving end, it isn't the only astrology book that I've ever needed. It's actually come as a great resource. She also adds that Venus's placement in your chart, whether sinistry or otherwise, indicates your capacity to express affection. So again, are you someone who is ready to give affection, who can wear your heart on your sleeve? Or are you someone who might withhold affection for whatever reason? Or are you someone who might be in the middle as well too? And, uh, you know, sometimes you hold, withhold affection. Other times, if somebody proves to be trustworthy, you fully give your affection, you fully give your heart. Venus's placement kind of indicates that level there. So like, for example, if somebody has Venus in Virgo, when it comes to affection, that person may be a little bit reserved. They would not be willing to show affection too quickly. And this could be due to childhood incidences. This could be to just who they are or what went on in their past, but there's always something in that Venus and Virgo individual that's kind of shies away from making quick connections and being really super affectionate. This would be in contrast to say somebody who has Venus in Libra where Libra basically loves to make connections. They love to make associations with people in the regard that, you know, they look at individuals, especially romantic partners, as potential partners for life, Um, so as marriage partners. Um, Some of the time, or most of the time, they really like to make, like I said, strong Wonderful connections wherever they happen to be in life, and so they would be willing to show that affection and willing to draw that individual in, furthermore. Venus, according to Wolf Oak, also lends allure to your personality and desirability. Now, again, as I've mentioned with the allure, um There are 12 ways to do this. There's always 12 different positions of Venus to do this. What I would say when it comes to personal lore, kind of like the examples I was giving earlier, you know, like with the position of Venus in the fifth house with, you know, having added charm or added charisma that could add to somebody's allure. Just as much as somebody who has Venus in the seventh house, where that can add to someone's ability to show not only affection or their ability to include their partner into their everyday lives, that would show, I mean, I I would say that's a high sense of loving energy right there. That could also add to the allure. Um, Different positions add different allures or can add different social graces or charms and allure. So definitely take a look at your Venus's position, you know, both in the astrological sign as well as in which house it's associated in and also the archetypes of that house. And so most of the time with those archetypes, you can usually find something that you could use. Like say if you feel like you're not alluring enough. I know I felt this way a couple of times um, within this year, you know, just not alluring enough. You can find something within your Venus's placement that could add a little extra, a little extra oomph for you. Woolfolk also indicates that it, um, Venus can indicate what sort of partners that you attract, which I found to be very interesting. Um, the, it would actually explain why I tend to attract a lot of Virgos, knowing that my Venus placement is actually in Virgo. So and that that's not uncommon in synastry where someone if someone's sun, moon, mercury, Venus, or any of their personal planets happen to be very similar or in the same sign that can add attraction as well too. Um, particularly if somebody has like I said v- Venus in Virgo and say someone who has their sun in Virgo, sun's position in Virgo, they would be attracted, and it would just be two people of like minded capabilities or two people who are like-minded and like each other. It would also kind of kind of um, explain why I tend to attract Cancerian personalities in the regard that Cancerian again adds that softness and that support to Virgo's hypercritical reactions in life and also their perfectionistic Tendencies, so they kind of help to um, blunt that a little bit and soften that. With Aries, however, that's always been a mystery for me. I think with Aries, I don't know, perhaps the hardworking tendencies of Virgo and the go getter nature of Aries. Might be a potential hit, but that that's always been a, a an elusive mystery to me. I think the that attraction has to deal with my moon, and that can definitely be um, a subject for another episode. According to Wolfolk, as well, um, this is another interesting point that Venus also governs over the higher emotions, and this goes back to the ancient Greco Roman myth of the goddess Aphrodite as well as Venus where, you know, such emotions as compassion, as love, as devotion were seen to be higher ideals or higher emotions as compared to the baser emotions that we usually see with Mars placements. And the baser emotions are usually lust, craving for sex, um, really just judging somebody on their appearance liking somebody on their appearance venus goes a cut above and really it's it's the higher emotions that are very hard for humans to express but again because they were so hard it was deemed to be believed that venus actually inspired these higher emotions and helped human beings to feel these higher emotions Similarly, in the chart, whether a synastry chart or a personal natal chart, um, Venus actually helps us to come into contact with those higher emotions, such as love, compassion, showing consideration for your fellow individual human being, showing consideration for the surroundings that you're living within. These things are all governed by your Venus placement and... Also, um, it's sign and it can also indicate how you would go about with the higher emotions. You know, if like, say you have Venus in Virgo or you have Venus in not Virgo, but Libra. If you have Venus in Libra, you might be more inclined to show compassion and affection for he- fellow human beings. Unlike where Venus and Aries might struggle with that a little bit, but they would definitely be able to show so a consideration for their fellow human beings, or they would be able to show love as well too, and the love would be instantaneous. Wolfolk also mentions that how it's, um, Venus represents how you relate to the opposite sex. It also represents flirtations and whether or not you're popular when it comes to the social settings and social groups. And also artistic leanings that you have, how much creativity that um, you have and what, how well of an abundance you have it. And, you know, just because, like, say Venus is placed within Capricorn, where where you would probably lean more towards the practicalities of life, that doesn't mean that you are bereft of artistic leanings. It's just creativity and artistic leanings may be expressed differently. Then say, if somebody has a Venus placement in Leo, where creativity and expression become just boundless amounts of energy. Venus also represents how well you adorn yourself. So that could be with jewelry, with nice clothing, with makeup as well too, and can also be responsible for vanity or even narcissism laziness as well the one thing that came to my mind when i heard this with the responsible for vanity or even narcissism there are some who have venus in the first house or even venus on the ascendant where yeah they come to rely on their good looks and you can kind of tell they don't know how to work or how to earn their affection or how to earn certain things within life because they've been given things due to just being pretty all the time. And that can lend to laziness. The other thing that kind of came to mind was, um, this is one person, one famous person who does not epitomize laziness to me at all. In fact, I actually admire her and that would be Charlize Theron. As mentioned earlier, she does have Venus on her ascendant uh, so much on her ascendant that literally the glyph, when you take a look at her chart, it literally sits like right on the ascendant line, like the the base of it literally sits on her ascendant line. It's in her 12th house, but again, really sitting on her ascendant. So while she is very graced with beautiful, beautiful, good looks And she's really well put together and really very classy, very sophisticated when it comes to life. I found it very interesting that when it came to her turn in her role in Monster, the movie Monster, which she had won an Academy Award for. One thing that I found to be interesting was in order to have Hollywood sit up and take notice of her acting skills... She ended up altering the very thing that really stands out for her, and that was her appearance. I think she spent loads of time in the makeup chair transforming into her character, uh, who was based off of a real-life murderess. But, uh, you know, within the movie, what was kind of interesting, or what, what with the turn of events with Monster, was... I just remember with Charlize Theron, there were lots of times where it just felt like she was granted a lot of roles, particularly when she um, had the role, her role in The Italian Job and also her roles in That Thing You Do. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I think there was a Kenneth Branagh film or Woody Allen film that she had started, I believe it was Celebrity and also starred Leonardo DiCaprio, where she's just this, you know, Wonderful, glorious model sent from heaven and above. I just, you know, in the 90, late 90s into the early 2000s, I just felt like when it came to Charlize Theron, she was granted a lot of roles easily because she was just that physically attractive and physically um, wonderful. She probably noticed this as well, and it was starting to grow a little old So starting to come into a lazy factor or just, you know, things were just kind of given to her and being sick and tired of that. She turned it around to where she worked a little bit more on her skill and got rid of the appearances as well too, which I find personally, I find that that's very admirable um, to be honest with you. But uh, that, like I said, that just came to mind when it came to, you know, especially when it comes to a, an afflicted Venus, um, the laziness and the narcissism or the vanity that comes with it, um, you know, it, it can have that effect as well, too. But there are some who rise above all of that, like with Charlize Theron, and I, I just I find that that's very, very appealing and very wonderful. So you're kind of thinking, I bet I, I think I know what you're thinking here, that most of the general associations with Venus, I, I kept mentioning both within the general chart as well as in the sinistry chart, some of the general associations are related to sinistry, and you would be correct. Uh, the thing is when it comes to Venus, uh, the fact that it rules relationships and that it, it is the sole ruler of relationships And everything that govern it uh, really do apply to this planet. I kind of feel like when I'm coming to John Townley's points, it's just kind of adding to what I've already given to you. So without further ado, when it comes to John Townley. I personally kind of found that when I looked up his references of Venus in his book, Composite Charts, The Astrology of Relationships, I really kind of felt like he had Mars on the brain. You know, and uh, especially since I covered Mars two weeks previous, it just felt like there was a lot of that surface value that you normally see with mars placements and i don't know if this is because this is a male astrologer that's giving credence to venus or if he might have had mars on the brain but there were a couple of points where it's like i kind of give it a grain of salt and an agree to disagree version because for me um, taking wolf folks views into account And also some of the other things that were mentioned when it comes to Venus, it just didn't really, it it was very contradictory from what I had looked up. Uh, With that said, I'll go ahead and air Townley's views, but I think I'm going to give you some of my, you know, what I feel or what I'm noticing when it comes to his points. So the first point is that Venus represents attraction and what you desire, both physically and emotionally. So, you know, attraction, I can kind of see with Venus. Yes. However, I find that the attraction is, I I just have to note that the attraction is not that of a Mars attraction. You know, where Mars is just pure sexual energy or just pure, attra- you know, just pure attraction, just pure primal urges coming forward. Venus is a little bit more refined. I like the fact that he said in what you desire, both physically and emotionally, because again, with uh, Venus, it could indicate, you know, what you crave in a relationship more than anything i kind of liken it to uh, mars again that that's pure primal energy of mars that when you have sex and when you're engaged sexually venus kind of represents what you want after you engage or after you disengage sexually what you'd like out of that partner Whether or not you would like a closer bond into that relationship, whether or not you would like Mr. Darcy, where he shows some consideration and some manners or some value to the relationship. Um, And it's not just um, the he, it's not just a women's perspective on this one. You know, with men, too, it could show... Then maybe he would want to be a little closer to this person and not just base it on sex and sex only. You know, or, uh, again, it's, it's kind of how we evolve from the pure primal of relationships. The second point with John Townley is where your desires meet and either blend or conflict. And I just remembered my point was, how's this different from Mars? Because I felt like this was a very Mars on the brain sort of point where your desires meet. In some ways, I could see where this could come into play with Venus, where when it comes to the desires, your desires could be, like from my, my personal standpoint, I desire a partner who is not only honest. But also can see that I give a lot in relationships and would be willing to give back. Um, A Venus placement, you know, good Venus placement in this regard would be somebody, you know, this person would be, wouldn't have a hard time in giving back in the relationship. And also, I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I have wanted the Mister Darcy or the Mister Knightley or the Sir Lancelot in relationships. Somebody who is going to be at least somewhat of a gentleman, if not a complete gentleman, at least somewhat of a gentleman. And um, really, again, where his Venus intersects is how that comes into play. You know, whether or not this guy believes that that is even possible. Because I've met a number of guys who make the excuse that that's, you know, Mr. Knightley, Mr. Darcy are fictional characters. They don't exist. And you're just your ideals are too high. I'm sorry, but I find that's a cop out for being lazy in the relationship. So, again, um, when it comes to where your desires meet, I kind of think, again, when you have a certain desire, like what I've expressed on air here you know, how well Venus is there, the other partner's Venus position is, is going to be how well they're going to, you know, how motivated they're going to be in meeting that desire and also making sure that their desires are met as well. I would say again, the desires in this case are met with a higher emotion than that of Mars, because with Mars, it's just desires as in are you good looking? Are you physically attractive? Are you my type? If so, that's great. Let's hop into bed. Let's hop in the sack. Um, Again, it's a little higher brow, um, you know, Venus governing the higher emotions. This is where I feel like Townley really had Mars on the brain for me as opposed to Venus. He mentions money, position, beauty, beautiful things, property, friends, and lovers are all very important when it comes to Venus. Well, Venus can be shallow, sure, but not that shallow. I feel with Venus relationships, you know, while money, position, beauty, beautiful things, property, friends, and lovers are very helpful, Again, we're, we're dealing with higher emotions and we're dealing with higher, more refined aspects when it comes to love. Um, so, I mean, while these things are helpful, they're not everything. And I don't think they should be everything. I kind of feel the money position, beauty, all these physical attractions are usually ruled by the Mars position in the synastry the chart. According to Townley, Venus also provides fulfillment for others. He goes for personal charm, beauty, wealth, and attractiveness, of so surface characteristics. Again, I see fulfillment as, you know, I'm giving a lot in the relationship. Are you willing to give back is a sense of fulfillment. You know, the fact that you're, you know, you might not be a giving person, but you're trying to give back in that relationship that would mean more than someone who just slouches on the couch and states that my ideals are just too high and too lofty, and giving doesn 't exist in society and gives some b s sort of theory as to why that is um, again that 's you know dependent upon Venus placement um, a hard Venus placement obviously would be someone who is too lazy to provide fulfillment for the other person in the relationship, or for some reason they feel that the fulfillment that, needed, that needs to be provided um, can't be met. It's too high of a standard for them. They would rather have more manageable standards as opposed to the other person in the relationship. Venus also indicates how you make each other's dreams come true. I think that that can be, you know, especially with well-aspected or just, you know, genuine Venus relationships. And I will get into that as we move a little bit further. So let's hold on to that point while we're here. Let's put a finger on that point while we're here. John Townley mentions, and these are some things that I kind of disagree with, if weak or badly placed. So um, if a weak aspect or badly placed aspects um between both Venus charts happen. Basically there's constant disappointment and possibly sexual frustration results. Now in some relationships while I can see that to be true, I actually found one relationship that I bumped into way, way, way back when in a couple of episodes past where both partners actually prove a lot of astrologers wrong, mainly because they have such an eccentric relationship. So um, whereas John Townley states that, you know, Venus, it's either, either or. In the relationship, you have to have a well aspected Venus to your partner's Venus placement in order for it to work because that would be constant fulfillment. That would be continued desire. Um, that would be a, you know, a dream that comes true as opposed to continual frustration. When I look at the Beckham's charts, so Victoria and David Beckham, all of this is really thrown out the window, and it kind of brings another aspect to the true Venus relationship, in my view. Now, with Victoria and David Beckham, they are so eccentric when it comes to their relationship in their charts. It's it's very interesting. Um, David Beckham, just to reiterate, his Sun and his Moon are both within Taurus. Whereas Victoria Beckham, she is actually an Aries sun, moon in Aquarius. So when it comes to his sun relating to her moon, usually when it comes to Taurus, Taurus likes affection, likes to be close. Whereas Aquarians, not so much. Aquarians can be very coldly logical as well, too. So you'd think that wouldn't be a good match And then the sun's positions, I mean, to kind of vice versa, you know, Aries, usually they have their ambitions in mind. Taurus, they like to, they like to give more of their heart. They'd like to be more close and more affectionate and give more love to their partner. Sometimes a little so much on, you know, so much so that can be kind of suffocating. For Aries, Aries, it could definitely be suffocating because they don't always have that time to give constant affection and constant love. And they're always on the move. They're always, they always want to move forward and move forward, move forward. So with that placement, you wouldn't think that they would get along either, but somehow they make it work and their Venus placements are equally interesting as well. So Victoria Beckham has her Venus placement in Pisces, which is not only a very good placement for Venus, but, um, you know, again, what she would expect in a relationship would be somebody who could get, who could not only, you know, accept her expansive friend group and her expansive views on life, but also would be willing to show some compassion and maybe some broad-mindedness when it comes to life. David Beckham, on the other hand, has Venus in Gemini. Gemini being that um, communication and expressing oneself truly and wholeheartedly is actually very important in the relationship. Now, I could see where these two Venus placements could work out. You know, where Victoria Beckham would expect compassion, David Beckham would actually encourage her to express that a little bit more and express that wholeheartedly. Also, Victoria Beckham could give David Beckham some insights that he could further look into and be inspired by. But um, again, Gemini and Pisces, I'm sorry, an air sign and a water sign, it's still kind of mismatched, even though both um, signs can really find a link to get along. The way, the one reason why I say that this is a very true Venus relationship is that it looks like both partners are kind of mismatched a little bit. They're kind of opposite to each other. They're, they're kind of hot where one is hot, the other's kind of cold and there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel like a true genuine Venus relationship would be, you know what? I know that you're very different from me, but you know, I don't care. I still love you. And I still want to make this work. And to have both partners kind of have a give and take in the relationship to where it's like, yeah, I, you know, they both want to make it work. They both do everything they can to make it work. I find that to be a very beautiful thing in that relationship. And that's where I say, you know, just because somebody might have an afflicted composite Venus, it doesn't mean that's a liability. And it doesn't mean that it's the end of the relationship. I think you can still work with it. It's just, again, taking into mind the higher viewpoints of Venus, the higher emotions, so to speak those higher emotions of love, of compassion, and maybe even the higher thoughts of, hey, you know, I really like this person. How can I make this relationship work out, even though we're as opposite as apples and oranges? You know, again, I feel like that's very epitomized by Venus in and of itself. The final note that John Townley likes to mention is that when it comes to Venus, Venus, A well-aspected Venus can be a gift from above, which that's always nice. You know, if you have a, you know, Venus placement that gets along with your partner's Venus placement, hey, more power to you. That's also very nice as well. But again, don't be so dependent on your Venus placements working. And also, as we mentioned two weeks ago, sometimes Venus placements, if they're not really well-matched, Sometimes a Venus and Mars placement, if they're getting along, they can also buffer in as well too. Um, unfortunately, it would be more along the lines of a more sexual tone and the more sexual or primal form of a relationship. But again, it could also make the relationship work out a little bit better. Well, stargazers. I really hope that my Valentine's Day special on Venus was very informative for you and really very, very insightful for you as well. That's pretty much all that I have for this week when it comes to the information. If you do have questions or any sort of inputs or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at either M-I-S-E-K. dot Sandra at gmail.com or on my Instagram page at Sandra dot And again, that's M I S E K. You can also hit me up on Patreon. I am actually, it's patreon.com forward slash seventh house astrology. And you can easily find me there. And while you're there, definitely sign up as a member. I would really not only appreciate that um, for the show, but also, that would also give me a chance to give you a free synastry chart. I am also thinking of also adding a free chart or just also giving you the option as to whether or not you'd like a just a free chart, a, re, a free reading of your nail chart as to how you would get along within romantic relationships. Or um, you also could have a free reading of both you and your partner's sinistry charts. Definitely go on to patreon.com, message me there and definitely check me out or message me on the other platforms as well too. And definitely we can definitely check it out together. But above all stargazers, don't be afraid to look up at the stars, the moon, believe it or not. So this is how much I have been so preoccupied with my own world lately especially when it comes to surgery. I did not realize the moon was almost full until I looked up today. So that is definitely a sight to see. And also the stars are really nice and bright. I don't know of any planets that are in the sky as of right now, but sometimes it's just great to just look up at the stars, see our origins within astrology and just see our origins in general. And above all stargazers, Be well. Between now and next week, I will see you.